0: Well, good morning. Good, morning. good morning. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been to church. We could probably have the benediction and go home, but I think we have a few things to do before that. All right. <clears throat> Anyhow, I, uh, I have a little story. There's these newlyweds, and they were trying to figure out, you know, how to do life together. And they were trying to figure out who would make the coffee in the morning, which one was supposed to get up and make the coffee. And they kind of argued back and forth for a little while on this. And all of a sudden, the the young bride says, I found the answer in the Bible. He says, you did? Yeah. Hebrews. (laughs) You got it. okay. If you didn't get it, ask your neighbor. (laughs) Well, along with that, since we're on a roll, uh, you know, water is essential to life. You need it to make coffee. Okay, moving right along. We're going to be looking in Hebrews chapter 10 here in a few minutes. John's going to come in a little bit, but I want to give some introduction. First of all, uh, Hebrews is my favorite Old Testament book, or New Testament book, excuse me. Uh, it is loaded with everything about Christ. I mean, it just, it's just a wonderful study. I've been through it several times in different churches. It takes me about a year. You know, taken out for Easter and Christmas and some other things. There's about 40 different uh, teachings that uh, have developed over the years. But we're coming to chapter 10 today. It would be verses 19 through 25, and it's called A Call to Perseverance. We live in an age that the philosophy is if it feels good, do it work is sometimes tolerated and a lot of people haven't gone back to work through the pandemic for whatever reasons. Work is time as a necessary evil so that we can endure and get to the good times on the weekend. The only thing that matters is comfort and pleasure and ease. And if it doesn't work out just the way we think it ought to, you know, let's just quit and take the path of least resistance. I know I'm starting out negative here, but we'll get to the positive in a little bit. Many people go aimlessly all their lives from uh, one indulgence to another. They're looking for happiness, fulfillment, peace of mind, and joy, and in the end coming up empty and short. Uh, I remember a song, and I cannot remember the artist's name. It, it's not Patty Page, but it's another Patty from back in that era. And the song was the most negative thing I've ever heard. It said, is that all there is? Is that all there is? Well, if that's all there is, let's just pass the booze and have a good time. I think that well, pretty well sums it up, doesn't it, where, where a lot of people are. Uh, it's a picture of hopelessness and despair. For those of us who have had the encounter of being given or forgiven from sin by Jesus, we know that there is much more, so much more. We need, that, uh, we need that life with Jesus. We know that life with Jesus brings the aforementioned things, happiness, fulfillment, peace of mind, and joy. Um, if we truly are committed to Christ, there are, these things are ours. Regardless of the physical circumstances, they are ours. Um, a lot of us have uh, suffered this last two years, haven't we? Between the pandemic, illness, uh, death of, in families, and what have you. But the fact of it is, if we are truly committed to Jesus Christ, joy can be ours in the morning. Amen? Amen. Praise his name. All right. Anyhow, um, if it's so, then, then it is. Why do people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ sometimes fall away or at least uh, be, live below ch- uh, privilege? Perhaps there are several reasons. A wrong concept of uh, what uh, salvation is all about. You know, uh, you remember Helen Reddy, that th- the theologian, who sang, the, you know, doesn't promise you a rose garden. And Jesus doesn't promise us a use God either, but he does teach teaches, or gives us a way through. Others don't walk close enough or long enough uh, to really uh, see God in action. And then others have just gotten careless and drifted away. Um, I remember um, I was thinking about this, and I was re- reflecting back to our four years when we were out in Colorado. Out there, if you want to keep your lawn, you need to water it every day. Even sometimes in the winter time, and if you don't, you won't have a lawn. I know that uh, we went on vacation out there one time for two weeks, and when I came back, our lawn was gone. Uh, You know, it just it just dried up, it went away. And I think that uh, that uh, it's a lot like our spiritual lives. If uh, uh, you know, if we don't water, if we don't Feed. If we don't do the things that uh, will enhance us, our spiritual life can fade as well. And if we really believe it, the issues of uh, of life and death or heaven and hell, then turning or drifting from God cannot be an option. The writer of the Hebrews, who is unknown, speaks to the issues in chapter 10. I've asked John if he would read, and then leave us in prayer, verses 19 through 25.
1: It's Hebrew. Hebrews 10, beginning at verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we... I think it should say sisters, too, don't you?
0: Brethren and sisters.
1: Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he has promised that he is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Ladies us in prayer. Father, as we have read these words, We ask that you would just sink them into our hearts. Sometimes we see words with our eyes. We see words on a page. We maybe hear them. But Lord, I pray that we might actually take them in and let them make a difference in our lives. The writer to the Hebrews certainly had some things to say that challenges us and encourages us and shows us who you are. And I pray, Father, that in the next few moments, as Ron looks at it a little more deeply, that it might speak very powerfully to every single one of us sitting here this morning. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, sir. A Call to Perseverance is the title of our sermon. Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians who were being uh, tempted to reject or leave the faith, and some were returning back to Judaism. It was a time of great uh, persecution— and uh, so things weren't going well at all. And so the writer, and many believe it was Paul, I tend to lean in that direction, although that's not conclusive, uh, writes this epistle to these people to, to show them exactly who they are in Christ and who, uh, what the privilege they have, and uh, calls them to perseverance, to hang in there, to stay with the faith. Now, to some degree, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir this morning but I think, you know, as I read these things myself periodically, it reminds me of who we are in Christ. If we go back to the beginning of chapter 1, which we didn't read, he's talking to them uh, about who Christ is, reminding them that, that he is the Messiah, reminding him that that uh, their, salvation, their salvation only comes through them, or through him. Uh, they had lost their perspective. The glow of the early days... Uh, had worn off and hard times had come uh, they had failed to keep the relationship with Jesus Christ and with each other vital and alive. Some had given up others had uh, were about to at this point in, in the epistle the writer is calling uh, calling them uh, ba- back to their first love and, uh, and that is Jesus now, I also call this the, the lettuce patch. There are four things here that, is, that uh, he says about lettuce. The lettuce. Let us. And the first thing he says in verse 22, let us draw near. Let us draw near. In other words, don't walk at a distance. Draw near to God. And stay near to him. Yeah. And uh, then he gives us uh, in verses 23, 24, and 25. He gives us three more things uh, to help us preserve, uh, preserve, persevere. Excuse me. First of all, he says, "Let us hold on swervingly to the hope." I have a, a, an amplified New Testament with me, which I've used uh, quite a bit. As you can see, it's well worn over the years, and. Um, this uh, It reads kind of like a dictionary, if you're not familiar with it, but it gives some perspective on these verses. So the first one there, when we talk in verse 22, he says, Let us come forward and draw near the, the, the true, honest, and sincere hearts in unqualified assurance and absolute conviction engendered by faith. That is, by the the leading of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness, having our hearts sprinkled uh, and purified from a guilty, evil conscience, and uh, that our bodies are washed with pure water. He says, let us come forward and draw near. That's the first let us here in our scripture. Let us... uh, Come forward and draw near. Okay. Then the second one uh, in verse uh, twenty-three, it says, "Hold on, hold on to the faith." See, it means to seize; denotes action, uh, de- uh, definite action, not to be uh, not to be messed around with. You're to grab it and hold on to it. I'm kind of reminded when you say this idea of grabbing and hold on to it. If you're an experienced fisherman, you know what it's like to have a fish grab that bite, you know. And that's the idea here. I know Fred has had some problems with that, and if you remember his sermon on fish, about fishing. But uh, when uh, uh, this idea of, he says, here to our faith we should grab it like a fish grabs a bite and uh, hold on to it. Um, then it says hold fast don't let go Chuck Swindoll in his book Strengthen Your Grip there are many things that come into our lives that will test our mettle do we give up? Absolutely no no way, praise the Lord for that it says hold fast retain without wavering the hope um By way of illustration, back when uh, we were living with my son and uh, we had the the grandchildren with us, uh, Hunter, at about two years old, Hunter and Pat planted the garden. And uh, they planted it, they weeded it, they watered it, they took care of it, they fertilized it, and uh, as a matter of fact, uh, even they grew some pretty big pumpkins, and I can remember uh, Hunter going over there and patting the pumpkins and saying, you know, you know we're here today. How are you doing today? You know. And they grew. And we, we had quite a harvest off that garden. But if we hadn't taken, if Pat hadn't taken care of that, I should say, and Hunter, you know, it would have been mediocre at best. If we can liken that to our Christian lives, that uh, we need to cultivate, we need to water, we need to feed, we need to, to, to love and uh, to pay attention to, um, to our spiritual lives. If we want to be what God wants us to be, if we want our, to be our best at him, we have to hold on unswervingly to the hope. Who is that hope? Jesus Christ, is it not? Amen. The second thing here he calls us to do is let us spur one another on uh, toward love and good deeds. Again, Uh, In the Amplified, let me just. uh... And let us consider how to give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir uh, up, uh, stimulate, and incite to love and wonderful deeds and noble activities. I've written behind that. Wow. 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 Did you get hold of that? Let us consider and give attentive, continuous, uh, our care to the watching over of one another, studying how we may stir up and stimulate, and incite to love, and to help, uh, helpful deeds and noble activities. Amen. 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 All right. Moving right along. If we appropriate the graces of the Holy Spirit in our lives, one of the natural outflows should be concern for others. Amen? Should be for others. Now, I know there are. this is easier for some people than for others, and there's all kinds of different psychological profiles out there about who, who we are and how we're made, but I think it boils down to a simple one, that we're either task oriented or people oriented now, I know I tend to be task oriented but I have to remind myself that my tasks need to be people. Right? Now, I know our district superintendent, I mean, he's just a lover, you know. He, he's certainly a people person, OK? And so, uh, uh, but the fact remains that one of the ways to persevere is to forget ourselves and to consider others. Uh, that is not the prevailing philosophy in much of the world today. Even in the church, sometimes it's hard to find. Uh, do you want to, to attract people? You, you want the church to grow? Get concerned about what they are concerned about. I think the old cliche is so, don't tell me what you know until you tell me how you care. And I think if we care for people, then that will open other opportunities. And the second part of that verse, again, reading the second part of it, that same verse in 24, is uh, studying how we may stir and stimulate an insight to love and helpful deeds and noble activities, how we may do that. Figuring how, how we can help each other to love to do helpful deeds, to engage in noble activities. If the church, if we as a church, will involve ourselves in that kind of activity, I think the place could fill up in a hurry. Amen. Uh, There are other kinds of activities, and I'm hesitant to, to present this, but I think I will, such as gossip, clinks, uh, clicks, power plays, and etc uh, would uh, will destroy a church. Now, again, I said, I'm preaching to the choir here because I don't believe that's the case here. But I, I, and I won't tell you where this was because whenever you talk about another church, you probably somebody knows or related to somebody there, and so you need to be careful. But uh, I went to one assignment where there were two women. Who were fighting each other and choosing up sides, and had the whole congregation a mess, and uh, it was an impossible situation. Yeah. And the bottom line is, is the church was not doing very well. People were leaving it in droves. You know, fortunately, we were able to get through some of that. Although I did not stay there long, and the young man that followed me once that was clear they had a good ministry. But we need to be careful of our attitudes and who we are and, and what we are and that we respond to leadership in, a, in an appropriate way. Uh, people wouldn't see organized religious as I- irrelevant and uh, as the answers to society. Um, problems, problems would be far less if people saw the genuine love and faith that is expressed uh, in the church. I planted a church out in Western New York, which I've talked about several times, and it went very well. But in a small town of 500 people, there was some competition to the church. We had a very active fire department. We had a very active uh, legion. And uh, this is where a lot of people put their loyalty and what have you, and they all had a mission, and they had something. But the one thing they did not offer... One thing that did not offer was forgiveness for sin. Amen. And hope. That's the thing that the church. Uh, that's the thing that the church offers. So, um, the third thing here we're called to do is not give up meeting together. Right, verse 25. Verse 25 in the Amplified again. Let me read to that not forsaking or neglecting the assembling together as believers, as is the habit of some people, uh, but but admonishing uh, and warning, urging, and encouraging one another, uh, and all the more as we see the day approaching. Not forsaking the assembling together. Uh, There are many ramifications here, uh, we are creatures of habit, some good habits, some bad habits. We are social beings. We need a group group identity. Uh, it is the rare individual who can be a hermit and be by themselves. Um, though we really do need each other. Some folks maintain that they can uh, commune with God anywhere. This is true but we need the church. And I'm not talking about just the building. I'm talking about we need the church, us as God's children. I had a friend of mine in the service. his named Bob. Bob was a Christian saved in the Jesus movement out on the West Coast. But he would not align himself in fellowship or in, you know, in, in worship. And uh, he really didn't grow very much. As a matter of fact, to look at his life, it did not radiate Christ very, very much at all. Uh, but what a contrast to people who, uh, who really get on board, you know, with uh, what God's trying to do. The church is a place where, where we worship together, study together at Sunday school or discipleship hour, Bible studies, prayer meetings, small groups, uh, and fellowship, where these things come together. I had a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, who said fellowship is donuts and coffee, you know. Well, that's part of it, but uh, anyhow. We do life together. Uh, In those settings, we learn about God from his word, from the Holy Spirit, and from each other. There is something, uh, something special about groups, the group dynamic that helps us to grow. If we are, are to be all that God wants us to be, We need to meet together often. And if you're not involved in a small group here or the class, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, I know that it helps me in the different times we get through together during the week. I doubt that you're much different than me at this point. Uh, I have found that I need the church. I need it often. And I suspect that you do too. The greatest blessings come sometimes when I feel the least like uh, coming there. Um, And another thing, when we were out in Colorado, something else I tried to do at our house was the aspen trees out there, which are very much like our white birch here, are are beautiful. And I dug one up out in the country and I took it back and I dug it down and put it in our, our front lawn and did all the stuff you gotta do to get a plant to grow like that. But it died. Somebody told me the reason it died was they don't grow alone. You must have several of them together, the aspen trees, if you want them to survive. My tree didn't survive. And I suspect that that's very true about us as Christians. If we try to go it alone, we're not going to survive. Amen? Amen. All right. from a from a book uh, from a fellow named Reuben Welsh. Reuben is a college professor, a Nazarene college professor, and speaker and writer and what have you. And he was uh, he told a story about uh, in, in his, his book, "We Really Do Need Each Other," where the uh, he had a class and he was trying to make a point uh, in them needing, you know, in what was involved in the group fellowship. So they organized a hike going up a mountain. And uh, the people showed up for the, the day of the hike. Now, there were some who were experienced hikers. They had the right boots. They had uh, hydration. They had necessary things. They didn't overpack for the hike. They knew what they were doing. Then there were some that were just kind of, well, OK, You know, they were used to taking walks, but they weren't really hikers and probably showed up with sneakers, which might work or might not. Certainly not a, a desirable footwear. And then there were some, I think, who did not have a clue. They showed up and, uh, you know, and, and so the, the, the hike takes off, and the, the, the folks that were, you know, experienced at it took off, and up the mountain they went. The second group started to join them, the ones that, you know, were not really experienced, but had a little bit of an idea what to do, and they started up. Then this third group kind of follow up. Now, the first group got to the top, and were up there waiting for the rest. The second group eventually got there. The third group only made it about halfway, they had to quit. They just couldn't couldn't do it. And so they got back together and debriefed the, uh, the thing. And they said, now, what went wrong here? What went wrong here? And the bottom line was is that those who, who knew what to do took off and left the rest behind. The others struggled to make it up there. And the third group didn't make it at all. And so what did she say? What do we need to do so that we can all make it together? And so they decided to try it again, this time those who were experienced that, it helped the others. And you told them what to do and how to dress and what have you. And the, and the, the end result was, though they didn't make it up there as fast as they, they would have, you know, the, the experience group, they all made it up there together. You get the point? If you don't get anything else from the sermon, and I, I've been very weak here this morning, if you don't get anything else out of it, remember that we need each other. We need to be together. Amen. I was also reminded, I don't know if you've seen recently the Special Olympics ad where they all start on a track on a foot race and they're running down there and all of a sudden one of the fellas fell and the rest of them, instead of keeping going, stopped, turned around, came back, helped him them dust himself off. And they locked arms and they went across the finish line together. Oh, what a picture of what the church! Really should be, Amen. Let's do life together. We got a new pastor coming, Wilson. Okay, and uh, what a what a joy it would be for him, not to run into the buzzsaw that I ran into, but for him to see a group that was functioning, and we are. And like I said, I think we've been preaching to the choir. But all these things here are reminders of who we are in Christ and who we are to be in each other, with each other. Amen.